All right, well, gentlemen, are we ready? Aye. It's rock and roll. I was born ready, albeit two months late. All right, well, engineer, cue the music. <laughs> Hello, Internet, and welcome to another episode of Geek Fanthology. I am your host, the voracious reader, Neil Cordray. I am joined this week by... Michael. Ben, no extra name needed reader. Also the only published author among us. Uh, <laughs> and? Wookie. Yes, he's back again. He was Hi. sick last time we recorded, which may or may not be the last week that you heard. I don't know. And then the one time he was twisted, and the time before that he was just wrong. Yeah. I think Ben's I middle name is Ryder. Uh, I can't make up my mind between being sick and sick, twisted, or wrong. <laughs> my shoes. You know, three. Try my shoes. <laughs> uh, but yes. Zoidberg. <clears throat> Zoidberg, maybe? Uh, <laughs> uh, today, we are going to talk about books. Books, 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 books. Uh, specifically, books that were sort of formative to our geek selves. Um. Or in just in or, or you know books for which we uh, have a certain amount of nostalgia. Uh, so um, I can start out, I suppose. Um, I think we've I've already said I'd love to see another adaptation of this book, but that's because it's my favorite book. I would love to. Uh, um, I just want to mention that the best book I've ever read is called Watership Down by Richard Adams. It's about rabbits. <laughs> If that doesn't sell you, I don't know what will. <laughs> Which, didn't we find out they were actually making another movie of? Yeah, we found out they were. Yep. Um, can't remember what it was called, because they weren't calling it Watership Down. That was what was really weird. And it was about wabbits. Yes. But it's a it's also, you know, a coming-of-age journey of discovery and... Death, murder, and mayhem? Yeah. Well, there's, there's a minor war <coughs> between two war and... Clans of Big rabbits. pointy teeth. Well, yeah, and horribly sharp claws. These are wild rabbits we're talking about. Um, Watership Down is not only influential, it is more influential to, to me in terms of geekdom because it was one of the things that really got me into reading. Uh, admittedly, I did not read it initially. It was read to me. But it was what helped me initially understand the captivation of books. Top that, anybody. <laughs> Alright. Um, I, when I was, uh, when I was in first and second grade, I was checking out Isaac Asimov books in the library and getting funny looks, like, can you comprehend this? Damn. And, the, and the answer was, Yes, I can understand the words. <laughs> I didn't really understand a lot of the deeper stuff at that time. Much like the journey of reading Calvin and Hobbes as a young kid and growing up and going, Oh, I see what they're doing there. Oh, they're named after philosophers <laughs> for a reason. Right. right. And, uh, yeah, all the surface, deeper than the surface stuff going on. Yeah. Which isn't a book, but that... That bears a plug for anyone who's not familiar with the strip. You can find uh, collections of the strips. You know, you can even do the whole complete thing if you want on Amazon and all the other major, you know, online retailers. Calvin Hobbes is great. It's amazing. It's probably still my favorite comic strip to this day. Mm -hmm. um, but 
<clears throat> yeah, I, the funny thing is I don't even remember a lot of the individual names of those books anymore. I just remember it's like the the robots, like the Empire trilogy, like robots, the Foundation, the oh, it's Foundation, Foundation trilogy, trilogy yeah. and then there's yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, robots and foundations flying around. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm sure there's a very easy Mad Libs that you could do for Isaac Asimov books, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Just like, robot, foundation, dawn, empire. Like, there's like a handful of buzzwords and phrases that, not to, you know, not to mitigate how awesome it is, but, you know, it's... It's just kind of how those things go. Mm-hmm. Um, also, while we're on the topic of uh, getting into reading in general, um, as a lot of people have read the Goosebumps books, um, I actually had all 50 friggin' books. Jeez. And they were all... They, it took up on an, almost an entire shelf of my bookshelf, which is an old, sturdy bookshelf that I still have to this day. I got that from my parents' house. Nice. And <laughs> it's great. Uh, it's it's I have a... Basically, an entire shelf of Deadpool uh, collections now uh, to replace where the Goosebumps were. I should have kept the Goosebumps, <laughs> which in a way is less mature than Goosebumps, but <laughs> um, but yeah, no, the uh, Goosebumps. Um, it was interesting because you know you start reading them when you're really young, and then as you grow older, you start to. Uh, identify the formulas and predict the twists and then at a certain point you're bored with the books but at that point I was just like well I've come this far I've got you know like 40 books or whatever I might as well just collect the whole set you know right. <laughs> and then they did a short-lived or at least I think it was short-lived uh, choose your own adventure uh, series that I, I had a few of those and there's also another uh, book that had a bunch of short horror stories that well somewhat horror stories there's some humor in there they weren't that scary uh, and R.L. Stein contributed a story or two in that and um there's just a lot of really cool stuff in that one, and it kind of exposed me to the idea of um, subverting tropes. Like, there's this one where um, a monster was apparently chasing this um, this brother and sister sibling pair, and it, it was written like it was all tense and like a chase scene and stuff, and they're all scared out of their minds, and they finally, like, go home, and then, like, the monster is still just, like slowly tromping after them and you know it's just like this uh kind of like the turns out it's a cat well no the monster was still a big old monster but he wasn't like hostile or mean at all he just like barges open the door and he's like hey stupid you forgot your jacket and then walks away (laughs) (laughs) so it was just kind of like oh okay not everything that is big and loud you know doesn't necessarily mean it's mean or evil or violent and so that was kind of fun With no offense intended towards R.L. Stein, he wasn't scary after you were, like, 10, 11. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> uh, they were just fun books, and it was yeah. kind of like an M. Night Shyamalan thing, where it's like, oh, I want to see what the twist is, I want to see how this, where this goes, you know? And the, the, the quality on that varied wildly. Like, there are some books that are still good to this day, to an extent, and then there are others that are just completely ridiculous. That is because, spoiler alert, he didn't actually write them all. I am shocked. Yeah. <laughs> shocked, sir. I remember when I was reading those books, too, Marvel was trying to compete with it, and they came out with the Marvel Chillers series. Oh, jeez, that sounds they, terrible. They took regular stories that they had already done in comics and tried to do a horror twist to it. Like, the one that I read was... Um, so how do you do that with characters like Ghost Rider and stuff? Well, <laughs> I only read two, and they were both Spider-Man, and one was centered around Jameson's son, who came back from the moon as a sort of wolf man. Well, that one kind of writes itself, but yeah, yeah. man-wolf. Yeah, and, and they just changed how they wrote the story. It was still exactly the same story, just how they wrote it was different. The other wow. one was the symbiote saga. That's for lazy. Peter Parker. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is an alien invasion, so. 
Benton, your turn. It was just just the one symbiote. So it was just <clears> dealing <throat> with like Peter having the nightmares of it taking over him. And right, right. <laughs> well, okay. Um, God, the, the Arnold Stein. That was back like, in your I'm, day. Back in my day, our books were written on stone. Or actually, back in my day, books were all written on paper. <laughs> <laughs> we had just invented the piracy. And <laughs> Touché. <laughs> um... Now, uh, God, I, but that, that's the thing is I did not have the dearth of video games, you know, and, and computer, you know, computer access. So a lot of my time was spent reading. Um, but you know, I grew up on, oh goodness, um, James Mishner's Space came out when I was in junior high school. It's a big old epic Brick of a book, doorstopper. You know, <laughs> uh, going up to added he added in a, a fictional, I think nineteenth uh, or twentieth. Uh, you know, an additional Apollo mission that ends ends terribly. Um, but then I also had you know Asimov and uh, God. I got in tr- I used to get in trouble uh, in okay. So going back as far as I can remember, I was checking out Sherlock Holmes stories uh, when I was in kindergarten, first grade. I was the first first semester of my first grade year. We moved up here from San Antonio, and my parents had to enroll me in a uh, in a Catholic school because it was the only or it was a, it was, a, it was a private school, and I was getting in trouble because I was constantly checking out books that they deemed were not. In my mature, and they told me in the library, you need to start checking out books that are more appropriate for you. So, wait, if it was first grade, it really was elementary then, wasn't it? It was elementary, yes. <laughs> elementary, wow. Watson. I couldn't resist. Yes, um, but I was checking out, you know, um, I was checking out things that were above what they thought I should be reading, and they warned me that they would stop my library privileges unless. That seems counterintuitive to the whole concept of a library. <laughs> this was the seventh. Don't read too much. Yeah, this was a private religious school. Uh, yeah, but I mean that is ironic in a way though because a lot of the religious, um, you know, schools and institutions uh, actually, cr- you know, helped spread literacy and education in the beginning. Literacy the and education, yes. But here's here's the problem that, that they had. Um, it was. It was education at their at a prescribed rate. They didn't want you getting too far ahead. Yeah. They wanted you probably indoctrinated before you read. Old habits die hard, and that is not supposed to be a. Yeah. Plan. <laughs> um, so yeah, Sherlock Holmes was one of my first. Um, but then I remember reading a, a book of horror short stories uh, about a vampire that um, you know suddenly finds himself being fed upon by another vampire. That's interesting. Yeah, and it's just, I mean these these are stories that I I remember. It's like the uh, the idea that math was a universal language, and they use the uh, the um, they use the periodic table of elements as a uh, uh, <coughs> um, as a primer, so they can understand as a basically not a primer as a uh, like Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone. That's the word I'm looking for. Um, but then when I got to the point where I was remembering some of the authors I was reading. Um, 
Heimlin was a big influence on me. Starship Troopers. Oh, yeah. Moon is a Harsh Mistress. Stranger in a Strange Land. Uh, Stranger in a Strange Land I never could get into. Hmm. Uh, it was very... I was like, eh, no, I'm just not... You know. Strange. I remember <laughs> laughing my ass off to Fifth Column. <coughs> uh, I never read that one. Uh, you should at some time. It's... It, it's about how um, the Chinese invade and take over America, but they get uh, defeated by these scientists who have learned to uh, to um, harness, it's called the Ledbetter effect, at least that's what he calls it. Hmm. Essentially, they, can, they, they have super science magic, <laughs> um, so the best thing they could work out how to do is make a giant stone temple appear outside a city one day and claim themselves to be the, the high priests of the great god Mota. Um, <laughs> Don't blame me, I voted for Kodos. Yeah. That's, that's the one that, that unfortunately is also has the, uh, has the guns that only shoot people of a specific race. Yeah. Wow. Well, I know we. Uh, I remember. Highland uh, got a little weird in his later days. Yeah. <laughs> I call it the discriminator. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but um, then I also, you know, another another of my still funny though was uh, Ted Scott's, uh, you know, the uh, the Pursuit Patrol, which is an old old series. Ted Scott's flying books, um, and then Conan. There you go. Oh man! Classic. Yeah, Conan the Barbarian, Conan the Sumerian, um, Conan the Destroyer. Yeah, the Destroyer. Um, I'm seeing a pattern here. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, go figure. Um, but then H. Beam Piper. H. Beam Piper's fuzzy books um, and his whole his whole shared universe. I'm not familiar with him. Oh man, H. Beam Piper was. If you get a chance, start. This is, with this is our episode where everybody adds their adds massively to their to, to read, read list. list. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, we're doing what we did with movies, but with books. So I'm pretty sure that I'm not going to mention anything that you guys haven't at least heard of. <laughs> well, H.P. Piper wrote a, a a book called Little Fuzzy. Um, it deals with sentience. Uh, what you know? What makes a, a race sentient? Is it language? Is it you know? Um, and it, what it comes down to in the in you know in the end in the trial spoilers uh, is imagination is how they prove that little fuzzy was sentient, um, but you know it's like a but they still treat uh, aliens like you know like children, um, because well we're the great human savior you know great white human saviors, <laughs> um, but then um, I also grew up in the era when. Uh, the first Han Solo books were coming out. Um, Han Solo at Star's End, Han Solo and you know, I can't remember all three of them. Uh, I remember reading um, Splinter the Mind's Eye when it first came out. <laughs> and, you know, wondering how that was going to affect, you know, that was going to be the sequel. Um, and then um, the Coromandi books. Uh, Doomfarers uh, Doom of Coromandi and Star Followers of Coromandi. Were my big introductions to Portal Fantasy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Let's get Wookiee in on this. What you yeah, got? Are you done? 
Oh God! Well, I figured we're <laughs> none of us are. I would like to point out none of us yet are done, but you haven't right. even had a turn yet. We're, I yeah. thought the idea was just to revolve around the table because yeah. otherwise we are going to pontificate and fill up the episode. Otherwise, Ben will take an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I started reading. Uh, my sister actually taught me to read when I was three, and pretty much anything I can get my hands on: dictionary, encyclopedia, and then my dad introduced me to comics. Oh, yeah. So they were the first things with actual story that I started reading. Mm-hmm. And it started with uh, Batman and Superman. And, you know, uh, that was back when they had the comics in the newspaper still. Mm-hmm. So every time we got, was it just a Sunday paper that they did that? Or? Oh, it was weekly. It was daily. Anytime my dad got a paper, I would ask him for that part and I would read those. And then he started actually occasionally buying me comics and... Um, you all stepped up to alcohol finally. <laughs> I was drinking milk earlier. Now I'm drinking the last of my mead. Sorry, Wookie, I'd share, but it's, it's the last okay. of my mead. I completely understand. Is that the one from New Year's? No, that was you gave that to Billy. That's this is right. just mine. Ah, okay. I was gonna say because I recognize the bottle. Yeah. <laughs> That's because it's the best mead. Yeah. True. So comics pretty much introduced me to sci-fi and fantasy in general. Um. But also just the way, especially, not as much with DC, but with Marvel Comics, um, a lot of the stories in those shaped pretty much who I ended up being. It was like, it was, Marvel Comics teaches a lot about tolerance and responsibility. With great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. When you were growing up, that was when X-Men were at their height. Yeah. <laughs> And that's all about yeah. I use X Men mania. All about race relations. And, and I and I hate I hate the word tolerance because it seems like a negative term to me. Right, tolerating it's acceptance. Like, yeah. Yeah, I think compassion is generally yeah. a better word to use because tolerance could imply that you would tolerate all sorts of unethical behavior and bad things. Well, tolerance oh, tolerate well, all everything. Yeah, tolerate tolerance to me is like. I will tolerate, as in, I will... I'll allow it to exist. Or I'm, I'm above like it, it, and I will tolerate the yeah, exactly, peons exactly. in my ivory tower, right? <laughs> right. So, <laughs> so that shaped a lot of who I was until um, the first actual book I read. Um, I was eight years old, I read Moby Dick. I'm sorry. Why? I, I just think that book is unbearably boring, at least the first I few love chapters. It. Yeah, you just have an entire... Chapter. chapter describing a blanket. Yeah. yeah. Keep in mind, before comics, I was reading the dictionary and encyclopedia. Well, yeah. See, I, I was an information thing. sponge. <laughs> I have so much random stupid shit in my head that is un- completely unnecessary. It's by no means a bad book. It's just very overrated, in my opinion. <clears throat> well, I thoroughly sure. enjoyed it. It boosted my vocabulary a lot. It, um, I think it helped. I think it prepared me for when I was twelve when I got introduced to Tolkien. There you yeah. go. Is living in Oklahoma, we were having tornado weather, so they corralled all of us into the library and put the animated Lord of the Rings up on the TV. <laughs> and the Bakshi version. Yeah. And I just, ah, Bakshi. The only that man Bilbo. is Bakshi crazy. <laughs> and the most fantasy I'd have had had any real uh, experience with up until then was like Disney movies. Yeah. So... You had to do an episode on Disney movies. Lord of the Rings just blew my mind, and then I saw in the end credits, I was the only one who actually paid attention to the whole movie, and... It was based off a book? Yeah, I saw it based <laughs> off of a book, what? so I asked about it, and the librarian was like, well, we don't carry those books, but since you're interested, we could probably order them. Nice. 
It's, that is a good librarian. Yeah. That's yeah. how you do it. Nobody had That's any interest until then. Uh, <laughs> but then I went home and told my mom. I was all excited. I was like, they're going to order The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings for me to read. Because I found out that there was four books, which made me even more excited. <laughs> yeah. And my mom said, <laughs> and there was a fifth one. <laughs> oh, yeah, if you count The Cimmerillion and then all those other books. But just the yeah. core story is four books. Yeah. <laughs> but went home and told my mom about it. She said no. For various religious reasons. So for... Several years I was reading it in my room by myself where no one knew about it. Right. So, like, screw her. This is, like, the best thing I've ever heard of, so... <laughs> Just yeah. interesting. Um, and ever since then, from from the time I was 12 until three years ago, or four years ago, when I started dating Tiffany and she ruined my books, I was reading all four of them every year. And those... She ruined your books? On accident. She spilled Kool-Aid all over my box set. Oh, no! Uh, and you're still dating and you're her. still dating her. That that's is that, that is yeah, that's yeah. commitment right there. Whoa, <laughs> whoa. <laughs> she did replace them, and then on top of that, got me the somewhere early in. Okay, but um, those just as much, if not more, than X Men helped shape who I am mm-hmm. because there's a lot that yeah. anybody can learn from how to be the proper person in Tolkien. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, he had it right uh, when he said in The Hobbit, if more people cared about good food and cheer. Over hoarded gold. Yeah, yeah right. Be the world would be a better There's place. So many good quotes. <laughs> and then, yeah, and yeah, the whole you know. <clears throat> futures, so, you know. one of my favorite quotes was one from Aragorn, and it's part of why I do things for people, whether they ask for it or whether I get thanks for it. Was a, um, a deed does not become, does not gain less valor, for I can't remember the exact quote. It was basically, you saying you don't need recognition. To do right. Yeah. To gain valor for what you've done, you don't need the right. You don't need recognition. Yeah. Just the fact that you did it. Right. If we're talking about school here, I think we should. I should uh, momentarily skip ahead to high school, where I pissed off teachers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> at that time, I was. I was not reading much. I. I well, I, that's not true. I was still reading a lot of fiction. That was. It was high school where John Lawrence um, was the librarian of my high school. It's also the uh, sponsor of the anime club, and it's just a very good friend of mine. Um, I unofficially worked in the high school library. I had the password to the circulation desk. <laughs> yes! I... No, no, it's, it's that, it's that when, when you had the password to the circulation desk... I was learning the Dewey Decimal System. Yeah, well, I actually kind of knew What's Dewey that? Decimal. I knew a little <laughs> bit of do- about Dewey Decimal because I was very, very heavily involved in, my, in both my school library and my public library. I've got a, li- a public library shirt um, mm-hmm. that I could trot out if I really felt like it, but I don't feel like it. Um, but because of that, I had a lot of latitude. Officially, you couldn't check out more than five books from the library at any given point in time without specific override permission from a librarian. I was a librarian. (laughs) And had been given full permission to check out multiple books, as long as by the end of the day, I returned all the ones I had already read. Um... And, you know, the only class I had to pay any sort of attention in was orchestra. Um, 
I managed to piss off one of my algebra teachers because I was reading a lot of manga at the time. Um, so I'd had this giant stack of, like, the entirety of, like... Well, what was I even reading back? Like, I had the entirety of Magic Knight, Ray Earth, and Acura. Um, that's a very disparate uh, spread, I know. but um, <laughs> And I'd be reading them, sitting in the back, just reading books, right to left, because that's how you do it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and the teacher, who, um, who was also the wrestling coach and didn't conscience much to people not paying him mind, will you know, uh, bark at me, Cordray! What's the answer to the, qu- to, to, to the question on the board? I'd look up, stare at it for like three seconds, be like, X equals negative seven. You want me to get up and show my work? <laughs> and I just go right back to reading. And <laughs> he hated me. But I got an A in his class, so. Because he, he hated the fact that, he, he hated the fact that I did not have to pay attention to him to know what I was doing. But he wasn't so petty as to uh, give me poor marks or something along those lines just because I wasn't paying attention to him. Right? Yeah. He's like, I may really hate how you don't show me any respect in class, but I can't fault the fact that you actually, you know, do all the homework and and don't get wrong answers on the tests. Or the fact that I made a, I wrote a program for, uh, for the, because everybody was on a TI-83, which still costs like $100 and has for all time. Seriously, what the hell? But you can, you can buy a Kindle tablet for $100. I know, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It but probably I, has an app that's like TI-83. <laughs> I, but, I, but we had a TI-83, and I wrote a program for it. Um, so that, because one of the things that he allowed was you could have, um, was you, you could uh, have a, a buddy book uh, going into tests for, for like writing down formulae and, and things along those lines. Um uh, and, and like as long as it was just the formula, he was fine with it. I wrote a buddy book program, so people wouldn't have to be like, "Crap, I can't. I didn't write it down." I'd be like, "Here, give me a second, because I had a file transfer cable, which is just a little three point five millimeter. Here, here's a buddy book, and it'll prompt you for X and the degrees, and it'll actually spit out the answer for you too. And <laughs> I already had cleared it with the with the teacher. It's like. Okay, yeah, that's um, that's doing all of your work in advance, isn't it? <laughs> the CPU is a internet processor, a learning computer. Uh, but yeah, high school was... Of course, high school also, I had the... So what were you reading that was... That was hmm? What was I reading in high school? Uh, a lot of manga. Um, we had all of Magic Knight Rare Earth, all of Akira... Um, all of, um, all that had been published at the time of Inuyasha, um, I, uh, I got to 
read the. I got to read four issues of Priest before telling the John that uh, Mr. Lawrence that we really shouldn't have this on the shelves. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, "I got these, and I'm on the fence. What do you think, Neil?" I'm like, "I read those. Like, it's really good. We should not have these on the shelves." <laughs> um, but uh, for non-comic books, uh, that was when I was re- I read. All of uh, Tamora Pierce's, um, can't remember the name of her world, but those books. So the Lioness Quartet, um, the Trickster Saga. Um, Tamora Pierce? Tamora Pierce. To the internet! Da-da-da! Alright. Core Hall. None of my teachers in any of my schools would have tolerated somebody reading in class other than what they were told to. See, mine either. Um, didn't, and didn't matter why you were doing it. I'm pretty sure it was Core Hall. As I'm thinking about it, I'm still checking, but uh, but yeah. Um, so the the court, the Lioness Quartet, the Wild Magic Quartet, Lady Night Duology. Oh my God, she wrote so much, <laughs> and they're all really good too. <laughs> right. See, you're you're talking about having TRI eighty. Um, we were just getting computers in schools uh, when I was in high school. And they were just getting small enough to fit in one room. Yeah, exactly. They were just <laughs> getting small enough that you could you know you could fit them in one room. Um, and you had to have, we had the big five and a quarter inch floppy disks. And we were playing Carmen San Diego on those things. Yeah. <laughs> Carmen San Diego was still ten years in the future for me. Um, I still have a copy of that. But we, what for us, the big thing was the were these math based games where you were basically firing a little projectile. You were like uh, a. Um, Did you get into the math blaster games? No, these were these were um, the we were writing the actual programs in BASIC. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Basic motherfucker, do you speak it? Yeah, it, we're writing this. You code it <laughs> in basic. We we're coding them in, and we actually had to get the formulas right. Uh, you know, so we were doing, and uh, we would. You know, they were like little more artillery games. You know, where you were, uh, and we 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 thought it was the coolest thing ever when we started factoring wind. Uh, as resistance. Remember, uh, study hard, kids, and you too can kill people with the power of math. I'm sorry, yeah. not core hole, core hole. <laughs> right? Yeah, weaponizing math. Um, that was one of the probably a Starcraft Ready Squad. There. Was yeah. Deadshot explaining math to his daughter? Right. Yeah. Using yeah, sniping. sniping. Yeah. Yeah. Using like, hot hypotenuse. Yeah, that's the hypotenuse you need. Um, so in high school, I was actually Stephen King had just released The Stand, um, and I read that one. Um, since then, he's released seven thousand other books, but yes. but, yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, and in fact, we'll be releasing twelve more in the next three hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so in high school, what else? In high school, I was in a I was in a big pulp uh, phase. Uh, the Executioner, uh, Able Team, uh, Phoenix. Uh, you know, uh, was it Phoenix Force? All the Mac Bolin and you know. <laughs> Because I was in South Texas, you know, and it was the, it was the way I made reading cool. Um, I knew more about the Beretta ninety three R, you know, and, <coughs> you know the. Uh, Is that the RoboCop gun? 
Yes, it was actually. He adapted mod- heavily modified like, Robocop gun, but yeah. Robocop gun nonetheless. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but he's a, the R stands for Robocop. It fires in a three-round burst. Yep. Um, and it was, uh, it had a had a uh, lever that you could pop down. That's actually what allowed it to fire in three-round bursts. That you stuck your thumb in the others in the outside uh, leading edge of the uh, of the elongated trigger guard, so that it didn't hit you in the face <laughs> when, it, when you fired it. Uh, or you know, you could just be Murphy, yeah, robot arm, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, or you could be, or you could be Mac Bowen. Who fat? Who fired the? Who inspired? Um, I think it was Magnum Force. The um, the Clint Eastwood movie. Yes, uh, oh, who inspired yeah. the gun. Uh, Backbolin originally used the uh, the automatic. Yeah. Which was a forty four automatic, which is a M sixteen round, uh, basically assault rifle size round with a forty four. Uh, a 44, um, you know, Magnum, um, 44 bullet marred to the end of it. Yeah. So it was like firing a rifle with, the, you know, with one hand. Right. Mac Bold used that all the way through um, his his first run, um, and that was when, you know, Clint Eastwood, that was back when, you know, the 357 Magnum, you know, wouldn't be caught. The most powerful yeah. gun in the world at the time. Well, no, this is when they had the uh, 44 Automatic, the most, most powerful, powerful handgun in the, world. in the world, became, you know, it's like because Clint Eastwood was really manly. Right. You know, I could fire a rifle one handed, you know, and of course along comes Arnold Schwarzenegger, fires M16s one handed in commando, <laughs> you know. Yeah. You're a nice guy, Sully. Yeah, <laughs> make me laugh. That's why I'm gonna kill you last. <laughs> but when I said I was going to kill you last, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I said, said that. that. I, I lied. lied. <laughs> ah, yeah. Um, so yeah. that was that was that was. Uh, Lane Drake Mando quotes. Yeah. Well, that was, he had the best pre-mortem one-liners of any movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, yeah. he had one-liner after the kill, um, except for Bond. Bond always had really good ones. Yeah. But I feel Schwarzenegger does it better, though. This, this is everything is better when you have an accent. Come <laughs> yeah. with me if you want to live, as opposed to come with me if you want to live. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. have the same oomph to it. Yeah, no, I, I kind of like the, the the very prim proper. Hey, it's come with me if you want to live, do it. Yeah. Right. Of course, that, that was it was that same movie where uh, where Schwarzenegger and uh, Carl Weathers were trading. You know, it's like I eat green berets for breakfast. You know, it's like. Can you believe all this macho bullshit from from the uh, from the female lead? Um, but yeah, it was back to books. Back to books. <laughs> but this was what was going on in the books I was reading too, man. It was like Pulp Fiction. Um, but I was also reading. It was in high school that I reread. Um, that I reread um, um, Starship Troopers. And that was love that book. Of, yeah. That was probably it was a. It is is a that part of why you went into the military? It was. It was part of why I went into the military. It was part of why I almost went into the military. And then was disappointed there was no bugs. Um, <laughs> no, no, wasn't disappointed there was no bugs. Um, I was. I went in as a computer programmer, uh, as a, actually a systems op, uh, operator. I still had to learn basic. I had to learn. Um, had to learn. Um, uh, like five different five different counting systems, including hexadecimal. Hex is fun. Hex is fun. Yeah, binary. You know, uh, you know, uh, hex, uh, base eight. You know, it's just all it's these. Like base five too, right? Yeah, base five. Um, 
I think base five. I don't remember. I know. I remember base eight was just. I'm sure there's a basic bitch joke in there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> basic bitch, do you count it? <laughs> basic bitch, yeah. Do you, the hexadeck bitch, do you count it? Um, and uh, it was kind of funny because I already knew basic going into my advanced training. Yeah. <laughs> and so I didn't do any of the homework until the day was due. <laughs> it was just like, I remember reading about basic. <laughs> you remember reading about basic? Remember, I, mean, I, remember, I grew up with DOS. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up with you DOS know. as well. All right, actually, we, it was yeah, my senior year that we actually got a home computer that had DOS. And you always had to put everything in there. Yeah, even C colon backslash. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. could never just click a game to get it started. You had to actually yeah. type in the address. It's funny because yeah. now if you like, you know, do a few basic things in DOS, people are like, you are a computer wizard. Well, you How know, do you do these strange things? Well, the thing <laughs> is, Windows still basically runs off of DOS. It hasn't yeah. changed in Well, it doesn't while. anymore, technically, because DOS is no longer a thing. That's why you have to run DOSBox for so many DOS games. Well, I mean, like no, the, the, the core yeah. for every There's still the like command prompt in Windows. It still uses DOS. It's just not the core yeah, well, thing that runs Spiritual it. successor, I guess you could say. Right. So, also, I mean, the D kind of stands for disk, and not so much on the disks these days. Yeah. Right? A hard drive is still technically a disk. Well, the hard drive, sure, yeah. but yeah. I'm just Unless saying... Unless you've got an SSD... In the in the era of downloading everything and cloud computing and everything, disks are very passe. passe. Yeah. Okay. So this is this is how out of date some of the information. And we're getting off topic. Yep. Um, I I could read IBM cards. Wow. The punch cards. Yes. (laughs) I was able to read IBM punch card and punch tape. Just took out that trash. Um, But like literally just before we you guys got here. Yeah. But yeah, that was when I you know, read Starship Troopers in high school. Um, of course, when I was 13, I read The Hobbit on a road trip from Corpus Christi to Farmington, New Mexico. Really appreciated my dad to piggyback off of that for a second. Um, I had not re- read the Lord of the Rings movies, or yeah, the Lo- <laughs> I had not read the Lord of the Rings movies quite a feat. until the books were until the books were about to come out. Uh, <laughs> no, I hadn't read the Lord of the Rings books until the movies were about to come out. My dad put his foot down and said, "No, you cannot see the movies until you read the books." <laughs> yeah. See, I had I read the my same dad that didn't let me play Magic the Gathering, but this is weird. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I read that, um, and when I got back. Yeah, I wanted to read it again, and it was my first year of junior high. And I see The Hobbit, and I see right next to it, The Fellowship of the Rings by J.R.R. Tolkien. He wrote another book. <laughs> <laughs> and then I realized, oh my God, this is like, it was like there's a full foot of, you know, of reading. Um, so I, every year, I would read The Fellowship of the Ring. You know, I would read the, the whole, uh, in, in junior high school. And... Uh, that was when I started reading, you know, Han Solo, the Han Solo series. Um, but yeah, if you have you any of you read the Coromandi series? I've nope. read some of it. There's only two books in it. Well, I read like some of the first book. I the mean. loose definition of series. Ah uh, yes. Well, duology, was, perhaps. Yeah, it, Brian Daly. He was. It was back when. It was back when a lot. Hey, of the Hitchhiker's Guide books are a trilogy. Yeah, exactly. And there's seven so. of them now. All seven of them. <laughs> <laughs> All seven yeah, that, that, that's scary. Um, but that's you know Douglas Adams. Yeah. Um, well, plus is plus the guy who wrote the seventh one after Douglas Adams died. Right. Um, but then there was oh man was uh, I remember reading Hitchhiker's Guide. Um, Don't panic. 
Yeah, but um, also Diana, the Diana Treguard series. Mercedes Lackey. Okay, recognize the the other name now. The the Treguard series happened not long after Kent State. Oh. Yeah, that's how old that series is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was a lot of the ones that, but then a lot of the ones that were formulated for me, uh, formative for me, happened after high school. Um, Gossamer Acts by Gail Bedino uh, is one of my go-to books. I still wish I had a copy of it. Uh, it is, uh, it's basically a rock and roll fantasy. Um, Have you meddled the book? Um, pretty much. Well, the, the main character is a harpist uh, from, like, uh, I think 13th century Ireland. Uh, her and her lover, um, Siobhan, um, find, fall into fairy and get ca- taken captive by the, by the fairy king. Um, and the main character basically gets away you, stealing... The bar, the the Elven King Bard's best harp, and um, makes keeps herself young uh, over the years, trying to find a way to fight the the king the uh, the Fey Bard, the Fairy King's Bard, and free her lover. Um, it was very Wiccan, very uh, very progressive in a lot of things, and for me as a young you know, as a young person who was finally. Deciding on my own my own world that was very formative for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's one attempt to give up, but he just kept harping on it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, speaking geez. of fairy tales that are read at a formative age, um, the books that got me deep into like uh, actual like good fairy lore. <laughs> um, you know, like the, the high sheet and things mm-hmm. along those lines. Right. Um, there's a, a series of books written by Holly Black. Um, um, technically, it was two bo- two and a half books in the same series. Mm-hmm. Uh, two books in the same series, and then one that was an offshoot mm-hmm. uh, called Tithe and Ironside, and also uh, the offshoot was called Valiant, um, which is about this girl who finds out she's a changeling. <laughs> um, <laughs> and goes on this stupid long quest to um, to free herself from the fairies, and by herself I mean the child that she replaced. Right. Uh, <laughs> That's an interesting premise. And you know, it's also kind of very punk rock too. Um, because she's like a senior in high school, or she would be if she hadn't dropped out of high school, um, and things along those lines. Uh, um, it's a very interesting book. I really like it. Sorry, just yeah. and because of that, because Holly did a fair bit of research and mm-hmm. essentially showing out showing off how fairies are scary motherfuckers. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> right. Especially since. And especially since she ends up getting involved in this whole thing where the unseely are trying to uh, are trying to claim the loyalty of the uh, of the unaligned for ten years. And, yeah. Uh, well, it's like these days everyone thinks of um, fairies as like 
Peter Pan and Legend of Zelda fairies, but really, you go back to the original source material, like Grimm and stuff like that, that's some dark, twisted yeah. shit. And then it turns out, of course, that actually almost everything that happened, spoiler alert, um, was actually orchestrated by the Seelie Queen, because she's just as much of a bitch as the other Seelie Queen. Right. <laughs> Game of Thrones, Song of Ice and Fire, Fairy Edition. The Seelie Courts are j- just happen to look a little bit nicer, happier sunshine. Right. So what else do you got on your list, Mike? That's a set of books I actually... Well, we talked about... Well, what's that? What's that? The Song of Ice and Fire series. That's oh. something I actually want to read. You know, I've got the first four in paperback if you want to borrow them. So I, I'm waiting for him to get all of them out. Okay, well... I'm just going to buy well, them all together. Uh, I don't hold your a, breath. I know, it's going to be a long wait. <laughs> He's going to die first. And, and we'll we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But uh, once they're all out, I'll buy a box set and just take Jordan. through them. Yeah. So, uh, Jordan. I mean, I know someone else finished your books, but damn it. Yeah. Talked about Pulp Fiction. Um, so I have a lot of pulpy things on here. Um, a lot of Star Wars books, which uh, talk about varying wildly in quality. What is now known as Star Wars Legends, because Disney owns Star Wars, yay. Um, and that is not a sarcastic game. I'm genuinely excited that Lucas has nothing to do with it anymore. Oh, it, yeah. It's in good hands with Disney. Um, but there's a lot of what was known as the expanded universe, of the EU for short, not to yeah. be confused with the European Union. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, they, they were kind of all over the place, um, but what I found interesting about it is um, the books kind of carried the Star Wars torch throughout the entireties of the 90s. Yeah, um, the twenty year gap. We didn't get any movies. Yeah, until um, until, until the prequels came along came to you know disappoint us all. Yeah, well, I mean, I <laughs> guess a special first. edition. I mean, I don't know if you count that because it's still just the same movie. It just yeah, but it helped to reignite the the fandom. It, enough yeah. Oh yeah, the to, cultural. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. It and I, to, I did yeah. appreciate getting a chance to actually see the more or less the original movies in the theater. Yeah, I didn't dislike the changes he made. To digress a little bit on on the Star Wars movies. I did not dislike the changes he made for the first run of rem- of remakes of the fir- of, of the three movies. It was the DVD and Blu-ray release. The DVD and Blu-ray release is where he just kept fiddling and he added. When I heard, fuck you. When I heard about that, I I, I was gonna buy the Blu-ray set, and then I heard about it. And I'm like, nope, I will wait. I will wait. I've waited I this s- long. I can keep waiting. I still bought it, and but as soon as <laughs> Disney. Uh, Makes the smart decision to release the original trilogy unedited but cleaned up. Yeah. On Blu-ray, I will still buy those. You and keep bet your damned bippy I will buy that too. <laughs> and they can't say it's not possible because there's those people who... They still have the laser discs. Well, not the laser disc. Um, there was people who got managed to get a hold of one of the original prints from the theater of A New Hope. Still got the reels for it, yeah. And they cleaned it up and made it high def and released it online. Whoa. For about three seconds until Disney caught co- co- wind of it, I'm sure. But... <laughs> I didn't hear that. Hear didn't, what? Didn't hear what? I, it'll probably be bleeped out, too. <laughs> so, anyway, Star Wars. Or yeah, because that's what happens when you talk about Star Wars. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, so in the 90s, you know, it was this gap of actual yeah. Star Wars movies. There, there were a lot there. of books. There, um, the, the, basically, if anyone is interested in reading Star Wars books and doesn't know where to start, read anything written by Timothy Zahn. Yeah, he is the ultimate thing. Star Wars author, and his Thrawn trilogy is what got me into those books. And to this day, I still think Thrawn's probably the coolest Star Wars villain out there. Heir to the Force is also really, really good. 
yeah, which I want to say the, is Kevin Anderson. The introduction of Thrawn has actually boosted the ratings of Rebels. Yeah, and, that doesn't surprise me at all. And Disney is being continuing to be smart, and the new Thrawn book is being written again by Timothy Zahn. There you go. So, well, that's good <laughs> that they're doing it right, and they're yeah. getting the, the right man for the job there. That would be, I mean, heck, just... I and mean, even now, the books are still... Uh, some of them are hit and miss. Like, some yeah. of them have good story, just the writing is not great. Right. Yeah, I mean, you gotta, you gotta have the... You gotta have both, you know. You, I don't know. It was young, yeah, Young Jedi Knights, Heirs of the Force, were... Yeah. I actually really liked the Kevin Anderson Young Jedi Knights books. A lot of people say that they're not good. I... I disagree. They were not... They were not high literary art, but... Yeah. They were good. Where, so was the Thrawn trilogy your favorite of the Star Wars books? Yeah, I think so. Um, there are some others. Well, there's some others that are close. Um, one of my all-time favorite standalone books is I, Jedi by uh, Michael Stackpole. And uh, that was uh, the main protagonist there is Coran Horn. And then he, uh, I mean, some people kind of whined about, oh, he's like a Marty Stew type. But I think that they actually managed to write the character well. Cool. Okay, and it was, I, I, I've got I Jedi. Yeah. And it's the thing is, is that while Corrin Horn, you know, has a lot has a lot of very weird powers, he also is lacking in some of the very je- basic Jedi. Right. Right. And yeah, and they He's touch a guy on who that. couldn't do basic telekinesis, didn't he? Right, but he could absorb energy. Yeah, yeah. and that, they actually go into depth into his like Jedi ancestry, where like apparently his ancestors were these powerful Jedi who were like specialized in that and there's this really cool like force vision he has where his like great great grandpa or whatever is in this big epic battle with like with uh, allied Jedi and then against these Sith and he makes this like heroic sacrifice where he like absorbs the energy of a lightsaber blade knowing it'll kill him to give his like ally a chance or him to like have one last blow mm-hmm. and kill the Sith and end the threat and there's this really cool epic kind of like um, kind of like a medieval like throwdown between knights, the way it was written and presented, which you know again is a lot of the uh, inspiration for it originally, because right. you know that's how Lucas was like, yeah, these are big clunky things. They're like knights and big swords, is how it was originally. And before yeah. they did all this flippy stuff in the fr- prequels, which yeah, was very different. He but. told Mark Hamill in the original trilogy that once the blade was ignited, it was like Excalibur. It was really right. heavy. Right. Exactly. But then science kind of slapped him in the face. Well, yeah. But to be fair, it's <laughs> um, it's space. Right. Wizards. I mean, yeah. science. Yeah, it's there are going to be explosions fantasy. in space, people. Okay, yeah. there's not going to be traditional gravity well, there are in space. To- there, there, there totally can be explosions. Well, in not space. in the not Star Wars explosions. Though. The way that we see them in movies wouldn't work. There would be like they would dissipate too quickly. Yeah, a quick spout of flame, but would be quickly. It'd be like a little snuffed out. Which is fine because I don't want realism. I want spectacle. Right. I want it right. to be what it is. Can oh, you imagine a realistic space. Death Star explosion? How anticlimactic that would be! Come well, on. Even <laughs> Star Wars and Star Trek, any space battle, yeah. you're not going to have any sound. Right. right. Yeah. Right. And boring. And Star Trek is is typically a lot uh, is leaning a lot towards a lot farther on the realism harder side. end. Right. Of, uh, yeah. Of soft more on the more on the realistic yeah. aspect. Yeah. Um, but anyway, just a quick little rundown of other stuff without getting too indefinite on the, the Star Wars umbrella. Um, there's the X-Wing series, which was split between that same author, Michael A. Stackpole, and um, Aaron Alston. And Aaron Alston tended to do the Wraith Squadron books. And that was really interesting because um, they were good, like... Um, like how Rogue One was a good ensemble movie, mm-hmm. they were like good ensemble books. And they had a lot of different personalities and like the whole, you know, um, like team dynamic and stuff is, is interesting seeing um, 
a more in-depth actual like uh, study of like a flight of fighters or whatever a squadron because in the movies it's just kind of like oh checking in pew pew okay it's over like you didn't yeah. really know like how everything worked you know right. it was interesting to kind of like take that part of the universe and kind of dissect it was it Rick's squadron that also went into things like the Mandalorians uh, I don't know if they, I don't remember if they touched on that or not okay, uh, I know maybe briefly the, I, I know there was one and this was a very fascinating conversation that happened at, at Vision Con yeah where there was an entire series of books that they basically undid uh, for Clone Wars. Uh, they had this whole big history of the Mandalorians, and they just oh, yeah. completely undid it uh, for something else. It, I don't it, undid I don't it in Clone Wars. Yeah. Uh, yeah, what they did was... So, I, I can I can speak to this a little bit, and since we're talking about Star Wars and how it's formative to our geek dip, geek, there you go. Geek dip this is important. Uh, so... The Mandalorians were set up as this big, super badass warrior race of badass, awesome badasses. <laughs> um, They're the Bill Braskies. Who need that? Who, who need that number? That number of, of of instances of the word badass to describe just how badass they are. Right. They hunted Jedi. Right. That's legit. Um, and there's like a number of books about how. Freaking awesome! The Mandalorian uh, army, like the Mandalorian hunter, hunter uh, squads are, and such. Then, Star Wars: The Clone Wars happened. The the the, the uh, computer animated thing, and they go to Planet Mandalore, and there are a bunch of pansies, and this whole and and, and no, they're not even pansies. They're all pacifists, and they're like. Oh, no, no, no. Those... Because they're trying to find out... Because they're being hunted by a Mandalorian death squad um, in, the, in the show. So they're going to find out, you know, how can we stop this? And the people are on Mandalore. Oh, no, no. That, that, those, those are the savages that live on our moon. We have nothing to do with them. But it doesn't... And I... they're a tiny... And, and they're, like, they're like the... They're the, they're, they're the criminals and the outcasts of planet Mandalore instead of, you know... The badass hunter gods that they are. I thought I thought the show there mentioned is, that the, there the, is that they were like that, and then they changed. So the I Jedi kicked their ass in a war, and it kind of forced them into peace, which was not their normal way. Which is why we had the Death Watches. That kind of sounds like a World War II, like Japan post World exactly. War II scenario. Exactly, they're basically forced into no pun intended, right? <laughs> no, yeah, they're forced into having no army, and so they became yeah. peaceful. But there were people who believed in the true Mandalorian way, and they became outcasts. Right. But then when the Empire rose, Mandalore became what they're supposed to be. But, I mean, the spirit of what well, yeah, you're saying is still that, accurate. But that was, yeah. that what was, was something on display that was, was, fix was the, the retcon that, that was written for, for uh, the Clone Wars was the real problem. Right. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Lucas stated, like, when the first book came out after the movies, <laughs> Lucas stated that none of the books are going to be canon. To his vision right. of the story, and then when Clone Wars started, he said that the, it's the first thing since the movies that would be considered canon to the overall legit main canon. Don't forget Ewoks. That's Ewoks, canon. Ewoks is not canon. It's considered canon by Disney. <clears throat> the Ewok movies or series? The series. So it's not supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But like three supposed, people. It's supposed anyway, to be so. the the six or all the movies that yeah. have been done, uh, Clone Wars and Rebels, and any games that come out from here on that have a legit story are supposed to be canon. 
The Force Unleashed was supposed to be canon, but since they never finished it, they just ditched it. Well, that's for the best anyway, because that was ridiculous. <laughs> Still mad Fun game, but... Well, yeah, not so much the game, but the novelization version of it was oh, okay. hardcore. I see. And over the top. Yeah. Yeah, I gotta love oh. a game where you're bringing down TIE Fighters with the Force. Oh, you bring down a Star Destroyer after oh. a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> or, or in the second game where you play as Vader for a moment. You do, you, just, very you do that in the very beginning. We do that in the first game. You're going around the like, yeah, you just Wookiees flying all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, just, I think my favorite Star Wars series that I read, I it's the only one that I actually owned all of, and it was like a twelve book series. I think it was Legacy of the Force, where Jason went bad. <sighs> I was mad when they had Jason go bad. And that was, yeah, that was... To me, it felt like, because this was, you know, post-prequels. Yeah, like Star uh, Wars. Skywalkers do not have a good batting average. It was like, but they, yeah. they did Anakin's They did Anakin's story better with Jason than they did with the prequels. Well, yeah, well, that's, that's a pretty low bar. A very low bar. It is a and, low bar. And but. why can't... And, and, I'm sorry, I really like Jason. Wasn't as cool as Jaina, but he was still, still pretty damn cool. One of the it was nowhere near as cool as Telka. Right, no, very few were as cool as Telka. Telka is just <laughs> badass in all. Uh, one of my one of my favorite things in the Legacy of the Force was that when Jaina realized that she was meant to defeat, if not actually kill her brother, she went to the best person to go to to learn how to kill Jedi and got training from Boba Fett himself. <laughs> That's great. and he yeah. and he proved to her in one move why he not that he needed to prove it to her he was trying to show her what he was going to be teaching her yeah he's like because she she said I don't understand how you can even be so good against Jedi because we could see everything that you would do before you do it and so he starts circling her and talking to her and then in the mid sentence suddenly punches her in the gut and she doesn't uh, have any chance to react to it other than when it actually happens. And he tells her that you can't see it coming if I don't even know I'm going to do it until I do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. It's like the whole Deadpool versus Spidey sense kind of concept. Exactly. <laughs> you can't predict what's not predictable. Right. Yeah. Or, that, or that episode of One Piece where Luffy fights the guy who can, who can see the future. And so he just throws a punch and hopes it bounces in the right direction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's, that's a whole Zen mind thing that, uh, yeah, we... Um, which comes to another uh, formative book for me, which was called uh, Shibumi. Uh, it's by the same guy who wrote The Iger Sanction. Um, those are words. You're old. Those are words. <laughs> yeah, those are words. Uh, the Iger Sanction was a fucking movie. But uh, now you have to realize you have to give us more than that. You can't just right. name drop something. Shibumi is, a, Shibumi is about <laughs> See, when you say Shibumi, all I think is the... Is the Shibumi. 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 Shibumi is actually um, a uh, Japanese word that means... Uh, basically, that, that means effortless bliss, effortless perfection. Um I think that's what it means. It's a it's a moment of calm and you know, but it's it's about a uh, it's about a, an assassin named Nikolai Hell, who is uh, remember how they in in John Wick they talk about him killing somebody with a pencil. 
Yeah. A uh, fucking pencil. <laughs> Three guys with a fucking pencil. Who does that? Who does that? Uh, well, Nikolai Hell. Um, he is... He's a joker. Right? <laughs> um, he is... It's gone. <laughs> Magic. He is a master of what's called the art of the naked kill. Um, which is... Um, you know, he can kill somebody with anything. Uh, his old master, he, he does kill with a pencil. Uh, at one point, he takes a magazine and um, turns it into a... You know, uses it as a weapon. Um, yeah, there we go. Shibuya, by the way, That's is, where is effortless beauty. Effortless beauty. Yeah. Uh, where or, Effortless, unobtrusive, subtle beauty. Yeah, it's, it's it's a hard concept to nail down. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Some things just don't translate well. And uh, yeah, it's it's set in the seventies, but it's like I said, he also has you know, um, it's where I learned about the art of go. Oh, what a good game! Yeah, um, a game I will never be able to wrap my head around the strategy of. <laughs> well, that's the thing is, yeah, it's 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 got such a fluid strategy. Um, but then also the, fi- uh, the Final Reflection, uh, which is a, a Star Trek novel, um, which you were talking about the Star Wars novels bridging mm-hmm. the gap. Yeah. There's a whole series of Star Trek novels uh, that bridge the gap between the end, of the, the end of Star Trek, the original series, and the first movie. Um, you know, and... And fan magazines, which another was another big thing for me. Oh, just to clarify, um, uh, bridging the gap, I just mean in the sense of having Star Wars stuff to consume. Exactly. Chronologically, is all over the... So we're talking about the same thing. Yeah, we're talking okay. about the same thing. It, it was what kept the fandom interested. Right, yeah, kept it going, sure. Because um, yeah, it was a pretty big gap between Star Trek ending and the motion picture coming out. Yeah. yeah that's not true. that it was much of a... <laughs> well, it was from 60... Or sixty four when the when the sixty six I think is around when this the series started, uh, or it might have been, it might have ended in sixty six. Yeah, I think it ended because I think it started in like sixty two because it started off in black and white, um, and then it was late seventies or early eighties that motion it was picture. Late seventies the motion picture came out because it came out just a couple right on the heels of Star Wars. Okay. Um, so yeah, there were a lot of Star Trek books, which you know. Um, I remember the final reflection because it focused on the Klingons uh, and their philosophy, um, and then space dwarves. <laughs> um, actually, you know, no. Klingons were more like space space samurai. samurai. Yeah, they today were, is always a good day to die. Yeah, <laughs> or uh, they, you know, they had this game called Klinza, um, which you know was there was the great the game of Klinza, and then there was. The game of uh, the game of empire, uh, which was the great game. You know? Oh, for the record, Star Trek original series sixty six to sixty nine. Okay. So, okay. So yeah, it was about a about a ten year period, but then during that period, you also had all these fanzines. You had these Star Trek mm-hmm. conventions, the original convention, um, and and you know I remember reading uh, Final Reflection in college. Uh, and you know the Klingon, you know the Klingon way uh, can be sum- summarized in in one uh, in one phrase. Uh, now Comrex Kestrex, that which does not grow dies. 
<laughs> oh, in the Star Trek The Motion Picture, uh, December 1979. So about a 10-year gap between the original series and the first movie. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah. When, it, it, when did Star Trek go into syndication? I have no idea. It was in syndication for a while. Yeah. So there, there, was, there were those. Um, other books. Other books. Um, trying to think of some of the ones that later on. Oh, Melanie Ron's Sunrunner series. I got nothing. <laughs> it's like what I mentioned, Snow Crash. <laughs> Watch, I thought you actually heard. Yeah, well, that's only because I told you about it four times now. No, it's also there's a movie. But no, actually, the Snow Crash, I've actually heard of it outside. Yeah. Uh, and not just because the guy who wrote it is also named Neil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but that was one of the one of the formative ones for me because it was very strong on the limitations of the Sunrunner's magic. Um, because if they got, uh, if they got caught, um, with, like when the, um, um, if they got caught, because they could project their thoughts, but if they were outside of their thoughts when the sun went down, they got lost. Um, you know. Spooky ghost. <laughs> So yeah, we talked about bridging gaps. Uh, that reminds me of Shadows of the Empire. That was one of my favorite Star Wars books. Yeah, that was a, that was a that was a good combo. We talked about that the perfect okay combination game, too. Yeah, perfect yeah, combination of first. well well written and actually a good story combined. Yeah, like right. that really hit all the marks there. The only thing I dock at points for is obvious Han Solo knockoff of Dash Rendar, which was I mean he was an enjoyable character, but let's face it, he was Han Solo. With a fresh coat of paint, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, and I, I don't even want to say two because you can't top Han Solo. He well, was just kind of, another Han Solo. He was Han Solo light, you know. Diet Han Solo. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, he had a pretty sweet ship too. Han Solo, which the was the Millennium movie. Falcon light. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, the outrider. I think yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah. He was he was essentially Han Solo if he had been a mercenary instead of a smuggler. Yeah. Was, yeah. That's basically it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the Nintendo 64 game was great. Yeah, it was. Except yeah. for the controls. Yeah, well, uh, Nintendo but, on the other hand, Wampa Stampa. Yeah. I, would, I, I would say the third-person uh, action levels had some kind of wonky controls, but um, I really enjoyed the, the Hoth level and the swoop bike level and the space fight at the end. Pretty I agree. Amazing that stuff. is why I played Rogue Squadron. Yes. Yeah, also a great game. Yeah. Anyway, um, I digress in the video game stuff. Yes, we do. Did you guys ever have any book, have something happen in any specific book that actually made you so mad you threw the book? No. Uh, let me guess. You're going to bring up the fact of Chewbacca dying in one of those expanded Oh, no. I didn't even books. read that book. Okay. You couldn't bring yourself to do it. No, somebody just told me about it because I didn't get, I didn't have access to all the books. Yeah, I read them as I got them, or had, as as I found them. I don't think. No, I don't think I've ever had that moment. No, I, but someone told me about Chewie dying, and it pissed me off. He goes I, out like a badass. Yeah, he does go out like a badass. Which, yeah, uh, I read an interview with Salvatore about that. That he wasn't even given a choice. They said Chewie had to die when he took the job. Why? Why, that book. why was that uh, an ultimatum? I don't understand. It's that. the same thing with um, Avengers. They told Whedon that they he had to kill Coulson. Okay. It's just something. It just seems so arbitrary. It's just something they wanted to happen. What it was, as as I recall from what we heard about it, is uh, they were talking about you know that anybody could be fair game, and they were talking about 
which character... Yeah, none of the char- original characters had died yet. So yeah. they're supposed to, like, make an example of him, essentially. Exactly. Like, yeah, raise the much. stakes. Yeah. yeah. And he does go out like a badass, and I will always yeah. be grateful to Salvatore for doing it that way. And it took yeah. a moon to kill him. Yeah. Yeah. He used an arm through a moon at him. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's no moon. Oh, wait, it is. Which created a sort of an inside joke among my original gaming group. They would show up to game with moon pies and throw them at me. <laughs> That's great. Uh, yeah. Oh, man. And what was funny is, is uh, to get to a personal anecdote uh, involving Chewbacca, um, when I wrote for New Mabel Books, I wrote Ashfall. Um, what? what? You're a published author? Yes. By the way, I just want to point out here how great it is that a natural segue for us, speaking of personal anecdotes that involve Chewbacca. Yeah. One um, <laughs> of the characters in the series is Peter Mayhew, who plays Chewbacca. <laughs> Peter Mayhew stars as himself with his wife. He's down in Texas, and he sur- they, they survive the, the zombie apocalypse. Well, I'm talking to the publisher, the guy who, you know, to Shane, the guy who wrote the original series, and we're talking about, you know, how Peter and his wife might have had something to do with the development of this, of this suit of combat armor, because it starts off, they build it down in Texas. Um, and he's going, oh, you know, it'd be great. It's like this great, this great, uh, you know, combat scene with Peter in a specialized, you know, a special in a special uh, a set of uh, of uh, specialized battle suit uh, just for him in a final fight against against one of the uh, one of the zombie queen type creatures. Uh, and I'm going, dude, no. He's <laughs> like, what? He's like, do you realize what you're what you're making me do here? What you're turning me into? He's like, what? You're turning me into the guy who killed Chewbacca again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Needless to say, that scene did not make it into the book. <laughs> and here I thought you're just he was just turning you into someone writing a fanfic. <laughs> <laughs> no. See, I asked about the uh, scene in a book that make you and you're not to throw it because mm-hmm. the legacy of the Force did that for me. I told you about it earlier. Legacy of the Force. Uh, uh, it, was when... it was Jason killing Mara Jade. Right. Yes. What? And it's not just, it's partially just the fact that he killed her, but it's also the manner in which she died. I Dude, thought it was like the That's like worst. one of my, Mar Jay's one of my favorite right? characters. Yeah. Yeah. Badass. She's she like, blew she's my one, mind. I didn't realize she She's one of the perfect examples of somebody who started off as a bad guy could become good and even prove to In a believable way, by yeah. the way. And even was able to prove to Luke that you could use aspects of the Force that seemed dark without them actually being dark. Yeah. And she perfected lightning without... Which makes sense because that leads into a relationship with Kyle Katarn, who does the same thing. Right, yeah. Uh, but by this time... Platonic uh, relationship, by the way. Don't get all right. excited. <laughs> and by, this, by this time, uh, Luke and Mara are married and have a kid uh, yeah. named Ben. And Jason's already gone off the deep end and... Mara doesn't think he's after Luke. He think he thinks he needs to kill Luke to prove he's strong enough. Yeah. And Mara doesn't think Luke would be able to bring himself to actually kill Jason. Right. And so would die because of his right. refusal to kill him. So she goes after him herself. Yeah. Kind of dusts off the old assassin right, right, training. Sure. Yeah. And she kicks his ass. And he had a poison that was meant for Luke that had no cure. And in, like, a last ditch, oh my god, she's going to fucking kill me, stabbed her in the thigh with it. Oh, that's such a bitch move. Yeah. And that killed her. That's, wow. What no, a terrible I mean, She death. kicks his ass, and then he managed to get one shot in? Yeah. 
I, you know, I know. He wasn't able and to connect dishonorable anything. shit like that. Yeah. And that's brutal. And then he let Luke believe that um, Lady Lumia did it. So Luke ended up going after her. By the way, this sounds like space uh, Shakespeare. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Luke ended up poisons and family her. drama and murders. I'd like to point out. Fuck Legacy of the Force. Yeah. <laughs> and pretty much all of New Jedi Order, which was what it was part of. So I loved the majority of the entire story, except for that part of it. Because it also had, that story also had what I thought was one of the best examples of how cool as far as personality goes, but also how powerful Luke really was. Yeah. Because while Jason is hunting him, he's in his own version of his little throne room on his Star Destroyer. And there's a bunch of X-Wings outside causing them a bunch of uh, issues. And he's been on the lookout for Luke for a while. And thinks he's got it down to a science of being able to predict where he'll be, being able to sense him. Right. And while he's sitting there in his throne watching out the window all these X-Wings, here's Luke's voice behind him. So he turns around. There he is in the doorway. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> no weapon, nothing to show of how he got past all the guards or anything. Yeah. And so they start talking. Jason tries to get up and he goes, no, sit down. And just that little motion of moving, tapping his fingers down, Jason slams back into his chair. <laughs> and they continue talking. And Luke is just staying put, yeah. continuing being completely calm. And he keeps trying to get up. He says, no, down. <laughs> it's like, it's like sit, the, boo, boo, the fifth time Luke finally goes, I said, down and the thing the stem of the chair collapses and Jason falls to the floor <laughs> and Luke finally says if you really want to do this we will do it when I'm ready and you're not going to be ready and then he just <laughs> vanishes wow and Ninja. then and then he gets a and then Jason gets a he's finally able to stand up and Jason gets a comm signal from one of his communication guys saying that Luke's Luke was spotted in one of the X-Wings outside. <laughs> so Luke was having this entire conversation, astral projecting, basically, into that throne room. Wow, he's blowing shit up in the yeah. X-Wing? <laughs> wow. That is a boss move right because there. Because he's Luke motherfucking Skywalker, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. He was always... It's something I always loved about him in the books. It's something that we didn't get to really see much of in the movies. Hopefully we will with eight yeah. is that as powerful as he was he didn't flaunt it unless he needed to right well he he learned from yoda in that respect yeah. which yeah. which is really fitting because that's what yoda was you know pretended he wasn't even yoda at first <laughs> yeah. he's hobbling along with his little stick you know right. part, mine, of that, mine, part of that was, mine. Part of that was 20 years of solitude yeah well, yeah and a little yeah. crazy well um but you know even even the opening of of uh of return of the, return of the jedi Shows how much of a fucking boss badass. Oh yeah, Skywalker when he just motions to the Gamorreans and they start choking yeah, to that. Yeah. By the way, uh, dark side points gained. Right. <laughs> well, you know, but then you know, he he. I mean, he like a chess master positions everybody he wants in you know in Jabba's palace. Yeah, it's okay. I've yeah. got <laughs> yeah. I've got R two of my lightsaber. Right. I've got three PO. I'm not telling him shit. Right. Uh, yeah. I got he Lando's been there for three months. Yeah. Right. And they planned on going to the Sarlacc. The whole thing was all Luke's plan. Yeah, all he was like, and, and he warns him three times. You will die. Yeah. yeah. I will. Yeah. Java, this is your last warning. Free us or die. And, Java, yeah. and just Luke's like, okay, man. Yeah, you know, and all the way there, you know, it's like, uh, you know, 
because you got Han Solo playing the the you know the eternal pessimist. <laughs> you know, I was born here. You're gonna die here. You know, <laughs> I've got it covered. <laughs> those those Gamorreans that he did choke, he did not kill them. Yeah, he but still, I mean, the the power itself was deemed like much later on to not be a, a dark power on its own. It's, it's just how it's it the intent, yeah. Because right. Mace used it in the animated Clone Wars. It's the exact same power, but you he used uses it. force lightning. Yeah, well, he didn't. In the use, no, no, he didn't use he didn't it. Use he it. reflected, he reflected it, it. Yeah, There's I a, thought he used it. And yeah. there way, are there have been fought. Jedi who have used lightning. Without any sign of I can understand the, the quote unquote choke thing because that's more about incapacitation versus actual like permanent harm. Well, and, and the death. power isn't actually choking, it's telekinesis and they're just directing it at the throat. Mace Windu did it to battle droid chests in the end oh, Clone yeah. Wars. He just, he actually did it to Grievous. That's why Grievous is coughing. Right. In, yeah, yeah. In I, I saw the micro series, you know, yeah. Yeah, because crush thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> He's a real heartbreaker. Yeah. And the Clone Wars series. The original like Gary Tarkovsky did. Yeah, it ended <laughs> literally right at the beginning of episode three. Yeah. So Grievous hadn't had a chance to I feel like we should do an episode in, in defense of the prequels. That would be hard. Not for me. <sighs> no, there's, there's, yeah. I could, e- I know that they have a lot of issues, but I could easily defend all three of them. I think maybe with that, maybe we should table that for something in the future. Yes. Um, cool. But yeah, but books. Back to books. Back to, right, back so to books. Curtain drop on Star Wars stuff. Yes. We have to because there's so many. <laughs> yes, we do. Yeah. That's um, exactly why we have to. Right. I do I, want clarification oh, on one We can have thing. a whole episode on that some other time. I want clarification on one thing from the books because since it's only been in the books, yeah. I have not been able to ever find an actual answer. How do you pronounce Kabouth's first name? What the? Um, I've always heard it as oh, Horace okay. Kabouth. C apostrophe B A O T H. The clone of a Jedi Master and of an insane yes. Jedi Master. Oh. Who's in the Thrawn trilogy? I don't um, know. I think it's Kabouth? Kabouth? I don't know. And is it Horus or Joris? <laughs> you know what? Let's put Ask a pin in that. Timothy Zahn, is he on Twitter? Or yeah. Is he on Facebook? Ask him. He, he'll know. <laughs> Let's put a pin in that because yeah. we... Um, back to other books. Yes. Uh, Tolkien. No. Uh, <laughs> no, I think we've touched on Tolkien. We've all read Tolkien. Yes. yes. Right. Obligatory um, Tolkien. Uh, one I, I haven't read The Silmarillion. Yeah, I, I haven't read, read that either. Which I have... But I'm not one of those people who think that you're not a true Tolkien fan unless you have. Cause it, it's a history task textbook. It is. It is right. a hard read. I tried to read it. I tried four times before I succeeded. Wow. That's it's like not a ringing endorsement. It's like people say, oh, you I mean, don't like Russian stuff. literature if you haven't read any Dostoevsky. Dostoevsky's hard to read. Silmarillion was not really meant as great fiction. It was a background. It was right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's all Tolkien meant for it. Right, it, which it is all well and good. Take it, it as was, it is. Yeah, it was notes for him for when he was writing everything yeah. else. Yeah, and it's then, like, and here, then it's like index S, which I.e. Right. Silmarillion. Uh, <laughs> right. Okay, so for me, there was another series. Um, actually, a lot of post-apocalyptic series, uh, you know, came out of uh, came out of my, you know, out of the '80s because. You know, it was the end of the Cold, Cold War. War. Cold War. Yeah, the Cold War had been yeah. going so it was on for either either everyone was about to blow up or the war was about to be over. One way, one or yeah, one, one way or another. Yeah, I mean, the Survivalist series was a big one for me. Uh, I think that was the my my big one, the Guardian series. But there was another one that took that and went way way to the future, and that was Robert Adams' Horse Clan series. And Once again, have yeah. our phones out for when deafening silence. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 
We just like, have the search fields ready to go. You can still get the stone tablets. It's like, okay, Siri, Siri, tell me what the fuck you know, this is. Here's the thing. I thought I, I used to think myself well-read. <laughs> then I met Ben. <laughs> and I, that's why I always bring up Snow Crash, because it's like, I got one on you. I got <laughs> one. Yeah. Because that was a book that came out around the time, you know, yeah. when you were still in school, and yet you still didn't read it somehow. Right. <laughs> well, there's a whole lot of them I didn't read, but still. You, never, yeah. you hadn't even heard of it, which made me win. <laughs> I win. <laughs> but, yeah. Well, Seriously, you should totally read Snow Crash. It's a fantastic book. <laughs> Remember most of the books that I've read, you know, you still you still have to learn how to read hieroglyphics and ancient Greek, you know, yeah. ancient cave paintings. You have to learn to interpret them. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think this that that this bison being chased by the guys with the spears means that it's a badass car chase. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. That's um. it. Yeah, the Horse Clan series is kind of like the... You know how the Honor Harrington series has a whole fandom built around it? Mm-hmm. You know? The Horse Clan series kind of had that going on. A lot of, a lot of people get, get together. I think there's still Horse Clan's, you know, conventions, if you look for them. Uh, but it was basically... It was about a um, an immortal who had set down the, the setup for the Horse Clans. Um, and they were partially psychic. They would bond with uh, these, with these cats and their horses. Oh, cats! I need to read it now. Yes. Before it was just horses and people. Yeah, I could take or leave. But psychic bonds with cats. Oh yeah. Yeah. I like cats. Coming to the horse clans is the first one by Robert Adams. You can only get it in paperback. Uh, I remember uh, a lot of the books that when I was in high when I was in middle and high school. Um, we had uh, I was I was part of the Missouri River Regional Library Teen Advisory Council. Um, we ran we or, we planned and organized all of the teen events, which included picking titles for the book cup, book club. Um, and man, those were hit or miss. Like there, that was where I found Tithe. Um, it's also where I found uh, a book by Edith Petto called East, which is a really interesting book. Uh, it's written in four different first-person uh, perspectives. Hmm. Each chapter trades who is writing the book, who is writing, who is telling the story. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, not four, three. You've got the the primary protagonist, the love interest, and the villain. All telling the story from their points of view. So is there overlap, or is it just, like, chronologically switching the perspective? Um, so the Troll Queen is usually the exposit is, is usually the, the backstory dump. Yeah. Um, the main character is the one... It, it gets most of the book, honestly. A lot of the time it's her, it's Rose... Then either white bear or uh, or troll queen, then rose again. Then <laughs> um, but um, I don't know. It's just a really good, really, really solid book. It's based off of an old uh, an old Danish uh, folk tale called East of the Sun and West of the Moon. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's it's just cool. 
I remember reading that. It's it's one of those books. It's one of the books that I still have a co- that I still like have tr- kept track of my co- of my copy of. Um, from then. <sighs> but then, we read other books like The Golden Compass, which uh, is not a good book. <laughs> Just everyone's like, oh, oh, the His Dark Materials books are so good. No, they, they, they aren't from, like, nearly any perspective. The first one is okay. It is decidedly okay fiction. And I actually liked where they were going, because I read, I read the entire series. Mm-hmm. I read they were going, you know, with the subtle knife and having to go kill God. But then God just dies halfway through the third damn book of his own accord for be, by being a doddering old man. <laughs> the <laughs> fuck? Nietzsche's like, spoiler alert. Right. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I'm I, I sorry. I read the movie. I never I'm not going to talk. I'm not going to worry about spoiler alerts for books that are more than 10 years old. Right? <laughs> right. Okay, so one thing that's not come up, one, one book that has not come up that I read over an entire summer camp in junior high school, The Narnia Chronicles. Oh, no. How, how have we not mentioned The Chronicles of Narnia? I never read Because I never got around to reading them. Oh. Oh, shit. Yeah, you should read the Chronicles of Narnia. Yeah. They're really good. I know. Yeah. I, was, I was introduced to the original uh, animated movie, and that was my introduction to the story. That was really good, too. It was. Well, the I read the whole series uh, and got shit for it in uh, in uh, when I was a Boy Scout. Uh, well, I was a, a training, or basically I was an apprentice uh, at a Boy Scout summer camp where I was on staff. Um, Why'd you get shit for it? Okay, this was the this was the early '80s when the Ultimate Warrior. You not tap on the you pick up on the microphone. Uh, the Ultimate War wrestling was you know the big thing. Um, Boy Scouts, I mean, supreme machismo, you know, rough and rough and tumble, you know, to the extent of it was, you know, almost almost homoerotic. <laughs> well, do you mean reading in general, or just reading those books specifically? Well, they were fairy tales first of all, but reading in general as well. Um, you know, you were supposed to be, you know, talking about wrestling or, you know, or, or hunting. And we're, we're talking South Texas where, you know, you were born, you know, you were, you were born to to not own at least three guns. Well, you're taking gas to get a free gun. (laughs) (laughs) There were car dealerships that offered, you know, um, I find it ironic because, you know, the concept of fairy tales, like. That was all about teaching virtues and stuff, which is the whole concept of becoming a man, of actually being a virtuous person who has a leads well, a virtuous um, life. Um, I, I, I must quickly interject, because this is also books that, 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 that it's also on topic. The original Grimm's fairy tales were not about virtue. They were about scaring your children into behaving. Yeah. Well, that's virtue. fair. But what they evolved into over the long yeah. haul was what I just In the explained. the Chronicles of Narnia, it... I mean, calling them a fairy tale is like grossly under describing well, yeah. them. It's, well, yeah, yeah, but it's honestly, it's more. It's really just a giant Christian allegory. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It really is. Um, I would, I would never describe it that way to somebody because that would be a huge turnoff for a lot of people. Yeah, right. But it, you but know, it but is. at the time, oh, I know it is. At, at the time, I was at the time I was fully immersed in my Christian identity, uh, so it was very much a, a very much thing for me. But also remember, this is Boy Scouts. You know, fairy tales are. Are beneath us, you know. Um, in, <laughs> the, in, the, in the in well, the I was in Scouts, so I never had that experience. Well, okay, it's it was again fairy tales. They were too young. Um, you know, I should have been reading about other things because they they didn't know what the Chronicles of Narnia were all about. Uh, had I portrayed it as a you know as a Christian Christ, 
Christianity allegory, um, I might have you know gotten a better response from it. Or you know, if you really wanted to go with the machismo, you should have just uh, skipped in uh, Prince Caspian to where uh, Peter fights the werewolf. Right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the thing is, it wasn't the adults; it was the other kids around. Me. Right. Yeah, yeah. Where Peter sword fights the werewolf. I know, but, but that was a, that was the thing is they were you know they were all invested in in macho and reading is not macho, mm-hmm. you know. So they were they were trying to you know prove that they were men manly. Uh, when you put it, are men manly men? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> So, yeah, but it was, that was very formative for me because it was, you know, him becoming a, you know, how, how to become a good man and, you know, sacrifice, uh, you yeah. know, Aslan's sacrifice, you know, in which the line which the wardrobe, you know, the quest in the Voyage of Don Treader. I just, and I don't even remember a lot of it now, but it was very formative to me about doing the right thing, being a good person, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, um, and trusting that, you know, trusting that there was someone watching over you, you know, that because, you know, you were aligned with the forces of good, you know. Yeah, I'm with the force, the forces of me. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, but I also want to circle back to something you were talking about. You watched the first Lord of the, first time you watched the first Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. the Bakshi edition. Ralph Bakshi has another one. I know I've mentioned it time and time again, but I want to mention it here. Ralph Bakshi has another movie that is very, very... Weird? Weird, <laughs> but good. Cold? No. Because that was weird, but... I'm, well, I'm not sure if I can say good, but... A cold World was kind of, was kind of interesting. Definitely weird. weird. Yeah, uh, Hollywood. Uh, <laughs> um, which, her name now has an even entirely different meaning. Um, anyways, the... Uh, no, um, it had the same meaning as it back, did back then. Uh... Because anyway, uh, uh, wizards. Ralph Bakshi. Wizards. 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 Yeah. I, I know of it. Best ending ever. You know it's a book I'm surprised that none of us have mentioned. What's that? Um, which I haven't read, but I should I should at some point. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised that none of us have mentioned the book, The Last Unicorn. Never, Never read, read it. it. I feel like that's homework for all of us because it's a really good book from everything Watch I've the movie. Yeah, the I'll movie is really good, but, but and it and it doesn't it doesn't do service to the book. But in any case, um, speaking of, hang on just a second. There's another series of books. Uh, yeah, John John Varley Wizard. Um, John Varley's Wizard is. Part of uh, his Gaia trilogy. Got like two minutes. Okay, the Sirocco Jones, uh, sorry, Sirocco Jones and Titan, which is a living planet. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do. We, we like I said, we have only have about two minutes. So we need to kind of wrap up. Um, right. There are there is another series of books that does need that does bear mentioning specifically for Ben and me because it is formative of our writing. And that is the Dresden Files novels. I was waiting for that. Yeah, well, that was... I didn't read that... So, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't like run into the 30s. Dresden Files until, like, three years ago. Right. I came across it in 2005. Has it affected your life? Um, no, not... It's affected my writing, which is why I thought we should yeah. mention it. Dresden <laughs> Files did affect my life because that, but because because that was... 
That was what got him into writing too. Well, it was what it was what inspired me to approach writing as a possible profession. And I got the idea for my book. By the way, I'm 1,200 words in uh, since last update. Um, but I got the idea for my book while I was listening to uh, Small Favor on audiobook while homesick with the flu. I had the entire uh, the entire premise of the book as a fever dream. <laughs> so a dream catcher. Got a little bit, yeah, but. Um, I woke up and was fourth and, and, and had it remembered enough of it to be able to write it down. <laughs> and now I'm turning it into a, into a novel, if not series of novels. <coughs> so thank you, Jim Butcher. Um, we have talked about books now for the last hour and a half. Um, hopefully we did not bore all of you. Um, things to take away, uh, all the books that have been mentioned with the exception of the last unicorn, because apparently none of us have read it. Um, our recommended reads, I think we can say. Oh, one quick shout out before we wrap up. I, if we do, well, when we do another book related episode, I may touch on it. Um, there's a great series called The Vampire Files by P. N. Elrod, and uh, oh yes, it's. Uh, I read that when I was uh, about eighteen, um, and that kind of helped. Um, Is that where we're playing World of Darkness? <laughs> well, no, I was uh, already interested in in that, um, but. It, it did kind of help give me ideas about stylistically how to portray some of that stuff. And just the quick elevator pitch for people not familiar. Uh, Prohibition-era uh, Chicago, a person becomes a journalist, turns into a vampire, and the first book is him solving his own murder, and it gets uh, awesomer from there. So check it out. Okay, quick reads and really good. Yeah, Piano Rod's a good, uh, great writer. I'm friends with her on, on Facebook. Yep, yeah, I saw a couple of those posts. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's good stuff. Definitely recommended. Yes, books, 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 and more books. Read all the books. Read books. Reading, uh, yeah, one other thing just to take away from the Read books, or at least audio books. I mean, it's not as good as reading them yourself, um, but sometimes that's all we can do. <clears throat> um, like, I very rarely have time to actually sit down to a book these days. But I will at least uh, pull out. You know, I've got I've got some audiobooks I'm going through right now, like going through uh, going through American Gods again in prep for the uh, for the, the mini series. Yeah, <laughs> um, but read books. Books are good. Like bananas. Bananas are good too. Good for potassium. Don't eat your books. Not good for song disruptors. <laughs> um, but yeah, we should do an episode of Doctor Who at some point too. You know, just without Matt, Mike, because he's never watched them. Yeah, those are. I mean, yeah, those are things. Either that, or you know, you could. Watch, I hear there's a. You could watch Doctor Who. I hear there's a screwdriver and there's a there's a telephone booth and time travels involved. <laughs> yep. In any case, um, <laughs> books, books, and more books. This has been Neil, Michael, the one true Ben, Wookie, and we will talk to you next week on Geek Fanthology. This podcast is a production of Working Theory Productions. It was brought to you by the letter T and the number 7. Opening theme is Ultra Mega Hyperstorm, and ending theme is March of the Mind, both by Kevin McLeod. If you enjoyed this podcast, or know someone who would, please consider sharing it on your social media, sending us an email, or leaving us a comment. We read all of them. If you really enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us, either by donating on our website, or on Patreon at patreon.com slash workingtheory. A final thought, books.
they're what's for dinner.